everyone. Welcome back to episode four of our mini series on a monster calls. This episode, we'll be talking about kind of where we left off on the third episode after Connor destroyed his grandmother's sitting room. And then we'll be going through up through the third tale. So I guess buckle up because this is a wild ride in this episode. I guess my first question, kind of just picking up where we leave off in the last episode, which is that Connor has destroyed his grandmother's sitting room and he expects punishment from both his grandmother and his father, but neither of them do it. And so I guess, what are your sort of thoughts on being an adult? I mean, like understanding why they wouldn't punish him for it, but also like the sort of perspective from Connor's about why he, his sort of reaction to not getting punished. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, like you definitely think, I think as the adult that that's, that you're doing the, the right thing there. And they probably were, but it does just add to this issue that he has of, of not being seen. Cause what is it that they both say, both dad and grandma, they say like, what could that, what good could that possibly do? Or what, what could possibly be the point? I think is what they say. Um, which I guess inadvertently like sent, sends the message to him that there's, he's not even worth that. Um, and uh, then he goes here at the beginning of this, this next section, he goes to school and Lily's not paying attention to him. Basically, I mean, that's not her fault. She was told not to by him. Um, but between that, uh, he, it just, it says it's almost as if nobody could uh, see him anymore until Harry shows up. And uh, it's interesting that uh, when he sees Harry and his two cronies coming towards him, it says Connor felt weak with relief that they were coming, which uh, that is so interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think like this part of like the sort of story really shows, I guess, the different, I guess, nuances of how Connor is dealing with this and his reaction to these different things. I guess the next thing that sort of happens in this section is this idea that his mom is trying a new drug and this drug is made from yew trees. And I think Connor takes that as sort of a sign that like maybe the yew tree has come walking to save his mother. So sort of speaking to this idea, this kind of goes back into the that sort of denial of the fact that his mom may in fact be dying so I guess what are your thoughts on do you see it from like Connor's point of view of like oh maybe this was like meant to save her or do you are you more like no that's not the point of this at all um yeah I mean it's definitely there I think the the um the choice to have this monster be a yew tree um I think is important in that sense um but it feels like, oh, okay, maybe that's part of the story. I think it, it does give us that hope. Um, there's a, at the beginning of the, the chapter that's titled No Tale, there's just this little section that's separated from the rest at the top where it just says, can you heal her? Connor asked. The you is a healing tree, the monster said. It is the form I choose most to walk in. Connor frowned. That's not really an answer. The monster just gave him that evil grin. And like, that's it. And they don't put any context in there. There's just that little section. And I thought that was super interesting, basically, because it tells us a couple of things. One, that sometimes 
the monster, quote unquote, takes a different form because it says this is the form I most choose to walk in. Um, so that, that kind of puts the monster in a different context of like, okay, like what exactly is this? And he chose to appear as the yew tree. So yeah, that kind of gives us that like, oh, maybe that this will be it. But they also do a good job of towards the very beginning of the book, you know what's going to happen. Like that's not a big surprise ending that she dies. Um, so you don't expect it, but you're like, oh, that's an interesting turn of events that almost does give you a little bit of hope, I think. Yeah, I guess like one thing I had, like one other question I had about that was like the sort of connection then to the third story about the parson who only believes in the apothecary once he thinks that his like daughters need saving and the sort of connection between, I guess, what that third tale then means for this section. Oh, that is interesting. That's a good point because I guess one of the, if you're trying to extract a moral from that second tale, um, I, I believe what he says is the, one of the, the little snippet extractable phrases that the, the monster says is that belief, put it like half of healing is, is the belief or something like that. And so what are you if you don't have the belief? Because that's half the healing. And that was his problem with the the pastor that he kind of threw away his belief, what he had said he believed in. Um, so that's interesting if if that's kind of a a parallel there. Um, because then I think what I think what Connor takes from that is, well, I believe she's going to be healed. She believes she does. I mean, she outright says when she's like, it, I, I think this can get better. And he says, you don't, you're just lying. And she says, no, I believe everything that I say to you. Um, so that aspect is there. And so you do wonder sometimes like, well, if that's true, what the monster says, like, why isn't she getting any better? Like, cause the belief is there. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I guess then like we can move into the sort of third tale, unless you have anything left to say about this section leading up to the third tale. Um, a couple things that I highlighted uh, in my copy um, is I just noted the, the multiple times that dad and grandma, and I think even mom have said to him um, that you need to be brave uh, rather than any of them ever talking details about what's happening and telling him and helping him be brave. They're just giving this, that's the one thing that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with as far as the adults. They're like, you just need to be brave. I'm like, what does that mean to a kid? Do you know what I mean? That's so ambiguous. And, and I don't know that that gives him any tools other than probably kind of freaks him out. Um, but they keep saying that over and over again. Um, and I, I just wonder about that. And then he, there's actually this, this moment where he's going through his school day where he says he tried to remember if he'd talked to any of his classmates since he'd arrived this morning. He didn't think he had, which meant he hadn't actually spoken to anyone since his father that morning. Um, and uh, that, that goes on for some time. He doesn't actually speak to anyone. His teachers out of like 
they understand what's going on. Apparently they've been told by the principal. And so they kind of are letting, giving him his, his space. Lily's giving him his space um, for, for lots of reasons that aren't that people don't see him. In fact, it's more that they probably do see him and are, are, are trying their best to, you know, give him that. But he reads it as that he was completely invisible to the rest of the world is, is how he kind of puts that. Oh, oh, do you know what the other thing leading into that third story that the tree says to kind of prep him for that twist for the third one? Um, the, the monster says stories are important. They can be more important than anything if they carry the truth. And uh, again, that just for me as a as a theater maker, I I really like that, that that's what we're attempting to do. They can be more important than anything if they carry the truth, which is why it's so important for us to work on our craft and, and pay attention to the stories that we're telling and how we're telling them to make sure that they carry truth and, and in our portrayals as actors, that we find the truth in the characters and, and do that because that's what then makes stories more important than anything for the healing of people sometimes yeah definitely that's sort of like then like the lead-in to what ends up happening in that cafeteria so before yeah. like the third tale begins it's like the bullies have come to him but then we get this like grand revelation where harry says i no longer see you or i think harry has kind of gotten into connor's psyche enough to realize why connor was letting him beat him up and stuff and so he doesn't touch him doesn't beat him up again just says i no longer see you and that was a little weird for me to be honest I mean, obviously I, I get the conceit there, but that was one of the only times I wrote in the margins. Like that seemed a little bit forced, like this 13 year old kid coming up and being like, I realize what would hurt you more. What would hurt you more is for me not to, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, but they, they kind of set it up that Harry's been trying to figure that out. Like why, why does us beating him up almost feel like he wants us to. And um. I don't know, but just, just the way he just walks up and says that, but the idea behind that is, is obviously very profound and, and makes a cool twist for that third story, letting the third story be Connor's story also, which comes right after, um, he actually goes to the tree. Right. And is like, tell me the third story. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm, we're not going to yet. Like, that's not, coming yet and uh connor remembers that that thing that the tree says which is stories are wild wild animals and they go off in directions that you can't expect um which again i love that for like us as storytellers as theater makers and stuff uh his dad always said his dad says stories don't always have happy endings uh and i love all that but uh yeah i no longer see you says the bully and then it turns 1207 and then uh to be honest with you i when i was reading this section one of the notes i made and i don't know if this is because they go the way that that patrick ness kind of describes what's happening you're not exactly sure what's happening there and he starts like shouting you don't see me and then he starts to notice like the destruction going on and the, the look because again, it's from Connor's point of view. So the looks of people, the looks of like 
horror in their faces as they like run away and stuff. And I, I just wrote like, this kind of feels like a school shooting, like, cause they don't say exactly what's going on that he's like beating up the kid. Um, but just reading through that section of the destruction and, and people's horror running away and, and how he kept keeps saying like, you don't see me while well, I'll make you see me and, and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I just had like a, Oh gosh, kind of a, a, a really scary moment there i think i guess one question that i had about that was because of the way it's written in the book it's like kind of this like it's like where the sort of intersection of reality and like the stories crosses very very heavily in that like yeah. it's like the monster beating harry up but it's not like we also know that it's like it's really connor beating up harry so i guess like this but it's like sort of described as like the monster beating up harry so i guess the question is like in the staging of that and when you put on the this as, as an actual play how does that kind of work out then i don't know we'll see um i'm so excited to be able to say i don't know we'll see um since this play is kind of has that spirit of a devised um piece of theater that we'll figure out together as a company is exciting. I'm kind of purposely staying away from making specific like directorial choices because I wanted to have that feel of um, some past shows that we've done like Peter and the Starcatcher and the Farnsworth invention where we kind of as a company and or as a cast experimented with a lot of different ways to do some of these things and then landed on, on what we want to do. So I'm, I'm as opposed to like Prince Caspian and Holiday Inn, I'm purposely like not trying to figure out how to do all those things yet. Cause I want to do that with you guys. Um, but uh, if I remember right, and again, I've left my script in the school. So I have to go break into the new school and grab it. Um, but I don't remember exactly how this works in the play. And I don't remember. I, I remember most of these moments from the old Vic production that I saw, but I don't actually remember how this one moment worked. It's even quite possible that they skipped over it, not skipped over the event, but that it kind of like blacks out and you don't see anything. And then lights come back up and he's talking to the teacher, which is kind of a little bit how they approach it in the movie as well. So you don't see because in the book, it's really great. The description of it, it, it talks about these, the tree is like hitting things and, and pushing things, but that it says that he almost feels it in his hands, even though it's the tree that's doing it. So then you get as an audience, like, oh, uh, oh, I see what's happening. Because we also get a little bit of that. They're kind of bridging us over because we get that with the destruction of grandma's house that like, he's telling the tree to do it, but then we realize, oh no, he was doing it all himself. So we get that connection. They've done a good job of, of us being like, where's, what is the tree? Is it part of him? Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that is exciting, uh, to do. Cause I think if you just have it be that he, he beats up Harry or whatever, a, nobody wants to see that, but B, you kind of miss that connection then of it being the tale that the the monster is telling if we just see it as everybody else sees it, which is him kind of having a breakdown in the cafeteria and then beating on Harry. So I don't know. It'll be fun to figure out. Okay, so I guess 
any other thoughts on sort of like the story itself before we move into the sort of reaction of people to the story and like what Connor Connor's actions were? Uh, no, because that's pretty much it, right? Like there isn't really a story other than the the monsters trying to like tell it in third person as it's happening inside Connor's head. Um, but it's, well, I, I mean, he says the stories of an invisible man and he's like, what did the invisible man do? So yeah, there isn't much detail to it other than what he does. Yeah. So, so I guess then we can move on to the sort of like the reaction. So the first thing that kind of happens is that obviously he's called in by like their admin. He's called in by the headmistress and Ms. Kwan's there. They're talking to him about what has happened. And he's he keeps expecting some sort of large punishment because at this point, Harry is literally in the hospital. But what happens is he doesn't get a punishment like yet again, the sort of theme of him not getting punished. And this, I guess, is kind of almost like the peak of that, like not getting punished sort of motif. So I guess, what are your thoughts on this sort of aspect of it again? Uh, I, I kind of just what we already talked about, but um, the anticipation of it is interesting in this. It says uh, the headmistress sat back heavily in her chair. School rules dictate immediate expulsion. She said, Connor felt his stomach sink, felt his whole body droop under a ton of extra weight, but then he realized it was drooping because the weight had been removed. Understanding flooded him. Relief did too. So powerful. It almost made him cry right there in the headmistress's office. He was going to be punished. It was finally going to happen. Everything was going to make sense again. She was going to expel him. And so... I just wrote that that's so interesting and and particularly the, the added part there that everything was going to make sense again, um, that actions have consequences, A plus B equals C. The world is going to kind of get back to, and we find out later, you know, that he uh, actually wants things to go away and get back. And that's what he feels so guilty about. He just wants it to be over. Even if that means mom dies, like, I just want it to be over. Like that's the truth that he can't speak that we'll talk about in the next episode, but, and this would be a sign of, okay, things getting back to normal is things making sense again and being punished. And then her response is how could I do that and still call myself a teacher with all that you're going through. And then she adds with all that we know about Harry. Yeah. So that was sort of my next question about all of this was that like, this is sort of the real reveal that we kind of get a hint that Ms. Kwan does know what's going on this sort of whole time, but just doesn't really quite have enough like solid evidence to like do anything about it, I guess is kind of where the story heads. But I guess, what are your thoughts on like Ms. Kwan being like, I know what sort of boy Harry is. And like, I know that he's a bully and stuff like that. Well, I, well, and I, what I got from this particular part of the of the story here uh when she says how could i do that and still call myself a teacher with all that you're going through and with all that we know about harry like almost suggested to me that he's got a whole backstory issue that he's going through as well i don't know if i just read too much into that but i was like what 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 do we know about harry like what you know what i mean like i i just didn't know and i was like oh wow but that's just that just raises the question um which is to be honest a question that has come up multiple times in my tenure as a teacher but um where we're like setting rules and keeping those rules are important 
but then when do you make exceptions? And sometimes the more you know about kids, the more you're like, you want to make an exception, right? And uh, that compassion, that human part of you wants to. Um, I remember when I first decided we were going to have that GPA minimum for productions company. And uh, the first time that someone was like close, but didn't get it at like a 2.4 or something. And they were like, I'm going, this is going on in my life. And I'm, I, I promise I'm working hard. I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. And I had to make the choice of like, well, do I take them off the productions company at this moment where it's the most difficult for them? Or do I, do I not? And this is just an interesting exploration of that, that like she's making exceptions for Harry. She's making exceptions for Connor. And maybe would it have been better if they didn't? Maybe. I don't know that he's making that argument. I think he's raising the question because I don't know, like the other side of the argument is compassion. Acting with compassion and humanity is never like a bad thing, but maybe it is sometimes. I don't know. I I don't know. And I think they're definitely raising that question. Yeah, definitely. It's, this is a really like, like nuanced section but I guess that's what the whole story is about is that there's never clear blacks and whites right I was gonna say it kind of parallels that first story that the monster tells and the second story what you think the right thing is doesn't always happen yeah and then just the last thing about this this section is after that happens the meeting with the headmistress and the teacher and everything um it then says he like walks back to class and everybody was like staring at him and like scared of him and stuff. And again, nobody spoke to him for the rest of the day. Um, and then he remembers the way the chapter ends is the, the monster saying there are worse things than being invisible. And the monster was right. Connor was no longer invisible. They all saw him now, but he was further away than ever which I think is the paradox that the monster then brings up later in the climax moment, the paradox of the first story and the paradox of the second story. And then that's the paradox of the third story is in becoming visible that he actually became more invisible, <laughs> like by becoming visible to everyone, he becomes even more invisible. So just all these paradoxes. I guess probably because this is one of the sections that's getting towards the end, but it's for like, really like I guess everything's kind of slowly like really getting more and more complicated and more and more like you're learning more about every single character pretty much I guess it's probably long enough I think for this episode so do you have any last parting thoughts uh, my just my final thought is that but like how frustrating paradoxes are in life because we want the answer we want to know what's right and what's wrong and and we want things to be clear and I do this and this will happen and etc um, and so we don't like it. We don't like stories. I've noticed that about our audiences too. Like we don't like stories that don't have a nice, clear wrapped up. Here's what we do. Here's, here's how we move forward and, and stuff like that. Um, but that is many, many times. That is the truth of the human existence is our whole existence is sometimes just a paradox when you think about it. Um, and going back to what the monster says, like stories are the most powerful thing if they hold the truth. And so it almost feels like that's what Patrick Ness and Siobhan Dowd intended with this is like, yeah, this isn't going to be 
a nice children's story that has very clear lessons about humanity other than the lesson that humanity is a paradox and our existence sometimes many times does not make sense but in telling that story it that has power to embrace those paradoxes and realize sometimes people are both good and bad at the same time and sometimes saving the witch brings goodness but it shouldn't because she's not a good person, but it does. And how does, do you know what I mean? And uh, figuring that out, even as an adult, even though this is kind of a, a book for young audiences as an adult, that's so complicated. Um, I've now watched the movie. I've watched the play. I've read the book and I've read the play. So in kind of four different ways to engage with this story i still haven't gotten to like and i still find myself being like i want what's the the moral what's the lesson um so i'm so excited to talk to people about this in january once it goes up and, and talk to the students because we all want that we all write our papers and are like what is what do we take from this and this is i think a different has a different purpose in our exploration of ourselves. So, yeah. Okay, well, I guess to everyone listening, thank you for listening so far. We're gonna be having our last episode after this one. So if you've made it this far, congrats. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.